message is going to take the form of a review of what we've been looking at through the book of Acts. I believe it will be a blessing to you as we look at the Lord's dealings with the early church and try to relate them to, to us as well. I've reminded you before that the book of Acts is a history of the early church. The Acts of the Apostles, that's what it's named. The Acts of the Apostles. It tells of their journeys, their missionary journeys, and the Lord establishing churches throughout, uh, throughout the world. It tells some of the Lord's marvelous dealings with his people, and the power of the gospel going forth, and the establishment, the preservation, and the growth of churches in various places. Churches like this, of people. Now, the New Testament church started in Jerusalem. <clears throat> That's where it started, as you well know. But because of persecution by the Jews against the church there, and because the Lord said, I have a people all over the world. Remember, he started saying that early on in his ministry, didn't he? There in John 3, he was talking to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus... Uh, God is not just the God of the Jews. He has a people all over the world. God so loved the world that he gave his son for a people all over. And because the Lord had a people all over the world, so the gospel moved on because of persecution and because the Gentiles were to hear it. The gospel moved on to the Gentiles, and the Lord had much people all over, much people all over. And here in a city called Antioch, look here in Acts chapter 11, let's read verses 19 through 21. And you remember how that Stephen preached there at Jerusalem, and they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, there was a great uproar, you know, when he was killed and so forth, and Herod, do you remember, vexed the church and killed James and and the, and the church was just persecuted at this time. And people traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word. And we saw this morning and other times that that's the gospel. They preached the gospel. To, to, to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, they preached unto the Grecians also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. So the church in Jerusalem, after this persecution, the church at Jerusalem sent forth Barnabas, if you remember our studies there. Barnabas was called a good man, verse 24, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. 
And he sent Barnab they sent Barnabas, being recommended by the Holy Spirit, down to this, uh, up, I should say, to this town called Antioch, out of Jerusalem, and up to this town called Antioch, north of Jerusalem, okay? Antioch, remember that. And he went up there to preach and to teach, and after a while, Barnabas, after he saw the grace of God, remember that message? Seeing the grace of God at work. Many people believe and turned to the Lord. Uh, he went to get Saul. The Lord was pouring out his spirit, and, and uh, he wanted these people to hear the Apostle Paul preach, because Paul was a a gifted preacher, at least a, a communicator of the gospel, a, a knowledgeable man. And he went to get Paul or Saul and brought him back up. And look at verse 26. And when he found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians. Christians. Remember that? Christians first in Antioch. This is where they got that name. Now, it was a ignominious name. It was a infamous, is that the right, ter right term for it? People that called them that didn't mean well by it. Yeah, they're those Christians. They didn't mean good by it. They weren't complimenting them at all. It was an ignominious uh, uh, title. It was a, an infamous name. But nevertheless, this group of believers in Antioch was first called Christians, and this is where the Lord established a very large church and and sent it out from there. Jerusalem was in turmoil. Herod was tearing it up. And not too long afterward that the temple was going to it was all going to be attacked, and that's another story. But uh, look at verse 27, and it says, In those days came prophets from Jerusalem. I mean, there was a big outpouring of God's Spirit. Prophets came up from Jerusalem to Antioch to see what was going on, to see the word fulfilled about the Gentiles. They'd read the prophecy concerning the Gentiles throughout Isaiah. You want to read something? Isaiah tells much about the Gentiles receiving the word. And prophets came up to witness this. All right, chapter 13. Look over there. Chapter 13. And after a while, the Spirit said to Paul and Barnabas, He said, It's time to take the gospel into further regions. Time to go elsewhere with the gospel. All right? Chapter 13, verse 1. So there was at the church of Antioch certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, and so forth, and Saul. Verse 2, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they fasted and prayed, laid their hands on them, they went. They took off. Bye, Paul. Bye, Barnabas. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord give his word uh, power and, and furtherance, and, and may it run well. Oh, it will. <laughs> Wait till they get back and tell you about what happened. All right? They sent them. All right? This was a missionary journey. They sent these missionaries. And I can't help but just flash, thoughts flash through my mind of a young Walter Gruber 30 years ago. 
fur haircut, <laughs> and all, and a young wife and little pequeños, little children, babies, going down to that foreign land, and then David Pledger went, Bill Clark, a young man, and so on and so forth. All right, now look back at your maps in the back of your Bible, okay? You got a section of maps. This will be interesting to you. Uh, you got a section of maps in the back of your Bible. Look at the very last map that should tell you of the journeys of Paul the Apostle, okay? And while I go through where he went and what happened, you can look at it on your map there. You can see the great lengths that uh, the gospel traveled in this day, okay? And the troubles and so forth. Look back there at the map, Paul's journey. All right, they left Antioch. Do you see? Do you have it? Do you have it there? Paul's journey? Everybody got it? Huh? Okay. <laughs> All right, if you'll see there, it, it, on the right side there, it has Jerusalem and then uh, Joppa, Caesarea, and on up, Damascus, and on right on up there's Antioch. You see it on the right? Right above, right above Syria there, Antioch. See that? All right, that's where they went. That's where this is talking about, Antioch. All right, that's where the church was it was talking about. All right, they went from Antioch, which was an inland city. You see, it's in town, in, in land a little bit. They went over to this town called Seleucia. You see that? That's a port city, Seleucia. And they got on a boat right there, and they sailed over to the island of Cyprus. See that little island? Salamis, little town called Salamis. Well, they preached there at Salamis. All right? They sailed. And, folks, it wasn't the uh, Queen Elizabeth that they were sailing on. It wasn't the uh, Port au Prince or the honeymoon suite on the uh, big ocean liner. It was a rough sailing vessel. Now, and I've been on one of those down at Mexico. And I don't want to my father-in-law would say lollygag here, but I've been on some, some a rough boat down one of those rough-hewn little uh, wooden tiller uh, sailboats down there in the, in the Caribbean. Believe me, when you get out there, 30 minutes later, you wish you never got out there. <laughs> and that's what they got on and traveled a fairly long ways to this Cyprus. They got to the town of Salamis, and they preached there, and they went through the island. They walked or... It doesn't say how they got where they went. They may have walked. They may have traveled by donkey, ox cart, something, hitched a ride, who knows. But they went through the island and came to Paphos. You see that? Paphos on the Isle of Cyprus. All right, they came to Paphos. Now, and I'm reminded when I say, when I, when I talk to you about the apostles, their travels now, did 2 Corinthians 11 come to your mind when I talked about the difficulties of their trials? Paul said, he said, we were in journeyings often and, and in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the seas, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching and often in hunger and thirst and fasting, and so forth. He talked about being shipwrecked and so forth. And that was in another 
another uh, journey that he made. But these were tough, tough journeys that they were making now. Keep that in mind as they made these travels. But the Lord was watching over them, and, and thankfully on this first journey, they didn't shipwreck or go have uh, too much of a trial in that way. All right, they got to Paphos, and this is where Elimus the sorcerer confronted them. You remember that story? That sorcerer, that magician, that sorcerer confronted them and opposed the gospel they were preaching, but yet Sergius Paulus, the deputy there, he believed the gospel. He believed. One man, that's all I'm talking about, one man here in Paphos. Worth the trip, wasn't it? All right, then they traveled by boat from Paphos all the way up there to see you see uh, Italia? You see it? And then up to a little town called Perga. All right? See Perga? That's where John left them. John was with them at Paphos and then traveled with them. And at Perga is where John left them and went back to Jerusalem. All right? Not too long after that, John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And that's where the revelation was given to him. All right? All right. Pergus was where John, or Perga was where John left them. All right? Now, they left there and went straight northward. You see it? Straight northward to a town called Antioch, another town called Antioch in Pisidia. You got it? Antioch, Pisidia. Now, by this time, people, they had traveled over 500 miles by boat, by foot, by donkey, by whatever however they could get there, over 500 miles, no air conditioning, no leather upholstery, tough, tough sailing, tough walking, all right? This is where Paul preached that message in chapter 13 that we saw this morning, Antioch, where the whole town turned out, and he preached that message at Antioch we heard this morning. And the whole city turned out, and it says the Gentiles were glad. The Gentiles were glad, but the Jews were mad. But as many as were ordained to eternal life in that little city, they believed. All right? They believed. Then they were kicked out. They were expelled, it says, out of the coast or out of Antioch, Pisidia. And it wasn't politely. They didn't ask them to leave. Would you please leave? Gather your belongings and please uh, depart from... <laughs> These, they bodily got, they got some ruffians kicked them out of that city, threw them out bodily, all right? And, well, they shook off the dust of their clothing and said, well, that's all the sheep that's here. <laughs> we'll go on down the road a little further. All right, look at it. Now they went from, from uh, Antioch down to Iconium, about 50 miles, about 50 miles down to the town of Iconium. And all the time it says... It says that they shook off the dust of their feet and they were filled with joy in the Holy Ghost. John, they were walking down the road, John, Paul, and Barnabas, discussing what the Lord is doing and talking about the Scriptures and the Gospel. And Yeah, look over here, Barnabas, at, at Isaiah. Well, yeah, I was reading the other day in Jeremiah, and this is exactly what the Lord's doing here. Isn't this marvelous? And they were full of joy in the Holy Ghost, and they were having a good time. They'd had a rough ride and rough sailing and rough time, but they were enjoying themselves and the Holy Spirit and the gospel. All right? 
And it says they preached at Iconium for a long time. And God gave testimony to the word of his grace. That's what it says. Gave testimony to the word of his grace. But he divided the people. It says that some held, part held with the apostles and part held with the Jews. You remember that? And there was a conspiracy in Iconium to kill Paul. They said, Let's, we won't have this fellow preaching to us anymore. Let's kill him. And the Jews are the one that put them up to this again. The Jews. And uh, you remember in Paul's imprisonment, he kept appealing to the Jews. He said, listen, I'm a Jew too. Oh, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they might be, I'm a Jew. And, and to the Jews, the promise, those are those things he was talking about uh, in the Romans. He was a Jew, but it was the Jews who hated hated the gospel. They hated him, all right? The Lord gave testimony to his word. And they conspired to kill him, so they left. They left, uh, they left Iconium and went to Lystra. You see that? Lystra? All right, they went down to Lystra, all right? Down at Lystra, there was a little crippled fellow that uh, had to hear the gospel. <laughs> they went on down. It just so happened. They said, uh, where are we going to go today? We've got to leave. That's for sure. We're going to be killed. Where are we going to go? Let's see. We could go, uh, we could go north. We could go west. Uh, we could go east. No, let's go south. There's a little town down there called Lystra. We'll go down there and we'll try that. <laughs> well, there's one little cripple fellow that had to hear the gospel. He, they must needs go through Lystra, Henry. They must. The gospel must run there. They went down there. That's another 30 miles by foot or whatever. And then... They went up to Derby. All right, now back to Acts 14. Now, Acts chapter 14. All right, back there. Acts chapter 14. And here at Lystra, after, well, here at Lystra is where they uh, encountered this mob, you know, and uh, where they stoned Paul. Lystra is where this big mob scene took place. You know, these pagan worshipers and all the Jews, once again, uh, got up a, an angry mob against them. And they stoned Paul. And it says, verse 19, they drew him out of the... They stoned him, killed him, drug him, drew, drug him, his body, bloody body, out of the city, supposing he had been dead. And this is... I believe what Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians 12, Barbara, where he said, I knew a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell it. But he went to the third heavens. You remember that message? And he heard things that were unlawful. Not saw, heard things that were unlawful to utter. I knew a man. I knew a man. All right, verse 20. How be it? Now, how long he laid there, I don't know. But verse 20, it says, As the disciples stood round about him. Who was it? It could have been just that little cripple fellow in Barnabas. <laughs> it just doesn't say. It could have been just those two. And they were standing there. The only, you know, They were standing there looking over Paul's bloody, lifeless body. Brother Henry, they were sad. They were weeping. Outside of town, you know. And is this it? Lord, is this it? Is this the end? 
and they were in the, and that little whatever the fellow's name was, old cripple. He was saying, "Oh, I I believe this gospel too. The Lord healed me. Surely, surely, the Lord can can do great things. Surely." And Paul jumped up. <laughs> Paul jumped up right there, right in front of him. He said, "Boys, let's go." <laughs> That's what it seems to indicate, doesn't it? It doesn't seem to indicate that he suffered any adverse effect unless, Brother Rick, this could have been where Paul suffered that eye problem that he suffered with from that throughout the day. He had an affliction, a thorn in the flesh. That could have been, you know, they beat him in the head with rocks. And they could have nearly put one of his eyes out, caused him great damage, and he may have suffered with that from that day forward. At any rate... He was bloody, and he was beaten, and he got up from the ground and said, Let's go. <laughs> Barnabas said, Where? Well, let's go preach the gospel. <laughs> Lord, give me that courage. Goodness gracious. What a pitiful lot. What a pitiful bum I am. Let's go down the road and preach the gospel. There's a little town called Derby down the road there. We'll go down there, verse 20. And they departed and went down to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, they preached the gospel to that city, and he taught many. They returned again. Where'd they go? They went back to Lystra. Well, Paul, they just stoned you to death. There's some believers there. Ed, uh, maybe the little crippled fellow stayed there. Maybe there were some other believers. Let's go see about them. But aren't you scared? I died, and the Lord raised me. What can I... Fear not them which kill the body, and after that they can do no more. And these are places, and they went to Lystra, went to Iconium. They threw them out of Iconium. Antioch is a, a, a conspiracy to stone them there. They went right back to those places. <laughs> places they'd already been thrown out of. Their lives had been threatened. Why? They counted not their lives dear unto them. But they counted those people very dear unto them. And besides, they truly believed. These men believed. If God be for us, who can be against us? Huh? The gates of hell will not prevail against us. I remember. Barnabas, don't you remember the Lord saying something to Peter about that? Huh? Don't you? Yeah, I do. Peter told us himself that. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. Old Brother Farrell used to say, now this is not, uh, gates don't do attacking. Gates don't attack. You ever known in a war for gates to rush the people? Come at them? No, no. People storm the gates. And they don't prevail. They don't hold back. They open when they storm. And that reminds me of Psalm 24. Then open these gates. <laughs> Somebody's coming in. God's Word's coming in. And nothing can prevent it. Whatever God opens, no man can shut. <laughs> right? The gates of hell. And Paul, they're walking down the road to, to one of these towns like Lystra. I bet he was thinking to himself, Barbara, I bet he was thinking, now they just killed me. They stoned me there. But, you know, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that 
which I've committed against whatever comes my way. <laughs> Let's go, Barnabas. <laughs> oh, my. God's people are immortal until God Almighty says it's time. Would to God we could get a load of this, get a hold of this, huh? In our various travels and so forth. This will help you, believer. We're so tossed to and fro with worries and troubles, aren't we? The least little, we're so worried about a, a snowstorm <laughs> in a car wrapped in a steel vehicle. Oh, ye of little faith. Various travels. I think, once again, about these missionaries, these missionaries in our day, Ken Weimer. Africa is literally overthrown with AIDS. Literally taken by it. That nation's about to die, literally. The whole nation's about to be wiped out by AIDS. Does Ken Weimer have to worry about AIDS? There's snakes, he says. He's seen snakes in his front yard. There's a little green snake. I forget the name of it. He said, one bite, you're gone. He said, you're just gone. You're dead. They don't even do anything. They don't even try to help you. You're dead. He's seen them in his front yard. His kids play in the front yard. You've got to play in the front yard. Bill Clark, he's had malaria three times. That, that, it never leaves you. It makes you, there's nothing more, no, no more sickening sickness than malaria, they say. Walter's got a permanent amoeba in his body that he carries, and it crops up every now and then. Milton, down in that Chiapas, you know, he said it's been a powder keg ever since he's been there. He's been stopped on the road with, by 17-year-olds with submachine guns ever since he's been there. David Pledger was down there. Journeys, journeys. These men went through journeys. And their wives, uh, uh, Betty, about died. Betty contacted uh, 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 whatever it was and about died. Walter had to, to give her injections for several weeks. Thought he was going to lose her. And had little children in, in diapers at the time. Perils of waters. Perils by plane. Peril to God's people, the travels, and missionary, even... Uh, highways and, and painfulness and sicknesses and diseases and so forth, it, but they're always delivered. Right? Always delivered. I think about other men's travels too, not only the missionaries, but other men you know, other preachers of the gospel and so forth, my own travel. Uh, nothing to speak of. We're going like, down to Winston-Salem not too long ago uh, during that ice storm and uh, you know, Mindy was worried. And I was a little bit apprehensive, but... Is there really? Huh? All of us, we make travels. So your dad right now is on the road. Uh, he's tra How many ice storms did your dad travel through? Stephen, huh? No, he's right now. He's on that road in that big 18-wheeler. nuts out there. It's nuts. But he could, they could, they'll hit you. They'll pull out in front of you. Nuts. He's liable. No, ain't nothing going to happen to Joe Parks. Ain't nothing. Come hell or high water. No pun intended. <laughs> High water is very familiar to me right now. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen to Joe Parks. Nothing's going to happen to him until God says something to happen to Joe Parks. Where's Nancy? Is she in the nursery? Don't worry, Nancy. You hear this? 
Ain't nothing to worry about. Would to God we quit worrying. Huh? Would we? No worry. God's watching over us. Huh? Our ladies. I think about our ladies coming to church. The other night we were leaving, and one of our ladies, uh, it was dark, pitch black. She got in her old beat-up car, and uh, I waited around for her car to start and made sure it was at least heading in that direction. And, and I thought, I prayed. I was on, on, her, on her bumper, and she turned to her direction. I turned mine. I said, Lord, watch over. He will. I ain't no nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> Sticky. Ain't nobody going to come in this church. Huh? While you're here alone, Clint. Forget it. Huh? God's with you. You believe that? If you believe anything, you better believe that. Fear not, I am with thee. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I'll still give thee aid. Fear not death, fear not trouble, fear not travels, fear not sickness, fear not disease, fear not the enemy, fear not men. There's only one thing you need to fear. One you need to fear. Fear God. You fear God, you won't fear anything else. If we fear God, we wouldn't fear anything or anybody else. Right? Well, so Paul and Barnabas went back through these towns again. Anything, nothing happened to him, John. Not a thing. <laughs> not hiding a hair. Nothing. Not a flea bit him. <laughs> a flea didn't bite. A mosquito didn't bite him this time. God said they've had enough. Don't you touch my anointed. And they walked through these towns again. Verse 22 said they confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to what? Continue in the faith. Cleave to Christ like. Barnabas told the people at Antioch, he, he, he told them, cleave to Christ, cleave to the Lord, confirming, exhorting them, preaching the gospel, exhorting them to cleave to Christ, trust Christ, put all your trust in Christ, keep believing, trusting, looking to Christ, put all your hope, your confidence in Him, believe the gospel more and more strongly, grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord, prove Him, prove the Lord. Hadn't He proved Himself to you time and time again, huh? Jesus, Jesus, how I love thee. How I've proved thee over and over. Hadn't he proved himself to you? That's what it means by how I've proved thee. It's not that he's on trial and we're trying him. It's just he has proved his word to be faithful to us over and over again. How my life has proven the things he's done for me has proven him to be faithful. He's never, never let me down. Fifty-some years now. Sixty-some years now. Charles, it's about to be seventy-some. We ought to be singing louder than anybody in here, brother. Let's start believing, huh? Cast not away, trust the Lord. Cast not away your confidence. Be grounded and settled in the truth. Be not tossed to and fro. Be established. You want a good word study in the Bible? Look it up sometimes. Establish. Look up that word establish. You do a study. Get your concordance and look out. Look up establish. You'll get a blessing out of it. It's a good thing to be established. 
May the Lord establish you, strengthen you, perfect you, establish grounded and settled in the truth of who your God is, who your Christ is, and of His care for you. Huh? All right. And then He forewarned and foretold these people in verse 22, and this is my text. <laughs> but I won't stay long there, I promise. Verse 22. It says, He exhorted them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. We must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. Well, how do you know, Paul? <laughs> well, <laughs> I know, Paul said, we must, through much tribulation. Look over at John 15. The reason he knew, because the Lord said it to begin with. And the Lord, it happened to the Lord Himself. John 15, look over there. Some people say, well, I thought the Lord wanted us to be happy and healthy and wealthy. Well, He does, but not in the way that we think. He wants us foremost want, and that's a bad term, isn't it? He, he purposes for us to be healthy and wealthy and prosperous spiritually, primarily. And if it's His will for us to be in hell and prosper and, and happy temp temporally or materially, that's fine too. That's His will and, and purpose. But primarily, God's purpose is for us to prosper and be in spiritual health and, and, and prosperity. Okay? That's His sickness and affliction. Let me, let me just remind you of this too. And God sends trials. Whatever comes about, God sent it, Violet. Whatever, an aneurysm, whatever it may be, God sent it. Not the devil. That's your only hope and comfort, isn't it? Huh? God sent it. And he's a judge of all the earth. He's your judge. He's your father. And he does what's bad. He never does what's wrong. He always does what's bad. And that worked together for your good. And you see that a little bit now, maybe? You will someday. If you don't now, you'll see perfectly clearly. You'll know even as you've been known. You'll know all about that. You'll look back. The Lord's going to sit you down and tell you why He did that, perhaps. And you're going to not be able to contain yourself. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing me through that. I did just didn't know at the time. Tribulation. Now, sickness and affliction of body. Now, that... Those aren't tribulation per se. That comes with territory. Henry, it, you're getting old, buddy. That's going to happen to you. Sickness and affliction, it happens to everybody. Is that a trial sent by God that people out in the world get sick? Try their faith? Well, that's not to try their faith. Huh? They get sick. That comes with the territory, okay? This is not the tribulation he's talking about here. Did our Lord mention sickness or affliction in that way in Matthew 10 at all? Huh? You remember what he's talking about there in Matthew 10? Look at what he says here in John 15, verse 17. He says, Now these things I command you that you love one another. Why, Lord? Why is that so important? You're going to need one another. You're going to need one another. And I'm telling you right now, you better love one another. 
You're going to need one another. Why? Because, go on, if the world hates you, the world's going to hate you. That's why. And you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, I've chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you. You remember. Paul and Barnabas were remembering this. This is what they were telling the people. That they must go through. Remember now, the sermon is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted Christ, they'll persecute you too. They kept Christ saying they'd keep yours, but they didn't and they won't. And all these things will they do unto you. They're going to do it. They will. They must. For my name's sake, because they don't know God. They don't worship your God. And you dare to stand up and tell them about your God. They're going to hate you too. This is the tribulation he's talking about that we must go through. Persecution for his name's sake. That's it. Persecution. In the world you shall have tribulation. The world the word tribulation means pressure. That's what the word means. It means pressure. It means uh, to crowd, be crowded in. Lot had tribulation, didn't he? He was vexed. He felt all... Elijah had tribulation. Why? He felt all alone. Felt like he's the only one. In the world you shall have tribulation. Because many are called, but there's few out there here. There's few out there worshiping God in the Spirit, rejoicing in Christ, but no confidence in the flesh. There's very few in Pharaoh. And they're coming at you, aren't they? From all sides. Coming at you. Persecution for my name's sake. Pressure, trouble, trials of persecution. Remember, he said... In the world you shall have tribulation. A world of tribulation. Look back at 1 John 4, quickly. 1 John chapter 4. John talks about this. What do you know about it, John? <laughs> oh, I was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Why? For the, for the message. For, 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 for who I believe. What I believe. That's the tribulation he's talking about, John. Look at 1 John 4. You know, the churches, these prophecy hounds talk about going through the tribulation period. Don't they? Oh, we've got to go through the tribulation period. You know, the Lord's going to, um, going to be a tribulation period that we're going to go through. We've been in it. The church has been in it, Brother Henry, ever since Christ was here. And beyond that been in the tribulation period. 1 John 4, verse uh, 4 through 6. You're of God, little children, and over, have overcome them. Who? The world. Because greater is he that is in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, than he that is in the world. Who's that? The God of the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world beats the path to their door. And they have big crowds and big hearings, and everybody's lovey-dovey they and uniting together in one big ecumenical movement to hate you. That's what the ecumenical movement's about today. Hate the gospel. Put it out of business. We're of God, verse 6. He that knoweth God heareth us. You read that article by Brother Terrell this morning in the bulletin? Read it. Good article. How do we know we're of God? Because we're talking about God. How do we know somebody else is of God? They'll believe us when we talk about God. 
How do we know we're of God? We preach God as God from the Scripture, from God's Word. How do we know people are God's people? The sheep, the hear His voice. They'll hear God as God, and they'll worship God as God. They'll hear Christ as God's righteousness. They'll bow to it. They'll believe. Hey, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Huh? John went on to say there over in verse 19 of chapter 5, We're of God, and the whole world is lying in wickedness. They're worshiping false gods out there. Another God, who can't say? Another Jesus, another gospel. This is the gospel, Henry. If it's not, I quit. I quit. And if the, God's not God, I sure quit. I'm going to hide in a cave somewhere. Anybody want to go with me? That I'd just be scared to death. The world events just... If God's not God, if the devil's on the loose, and got just as much power, John, let's get our rations together, buddy, and get our MK-47s and our camouflage suits on. Let's find a scale, buddy. God's God. And the church has been persecuted from the beginning. From the beginning. We must through much tribulation. Look at chapter 5 there. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this, Jehovah Witnesses are just not God's people. They're liars. They're antichrists. Tell them. Tell them. You may become their enemy. Tell them the truth. But you have given God the glory. You told them who God is, who Christ is. Now, which is better? I mean, who, who are we going to take up for? For lack of a better way to put it, who are we going to take up for? Are we going to be, feel sorry for them and, and fear hurting their feelings? But they, they have blasphemed our God, our, our Lord, huh? Our Master, huh? Brought Him down. Our Christ. Our altogether lovely one. I'll just take up for him first of that. Not that he needs it, but we need to. Huh? He, you know, use compassion, use discernment, some make a difference. Well, this is the love of God. We keep his commandment. Verse 4, what, Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world. We must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of heaven. We must, through much. Judgment has begun at the house of God. Tribulation is here. It is here. If you don't believe it, just dare to tell the truth. Just, I challenge you sometimes, John. Just If people stand around talking about the Bible sometimes, just open it up to Ephesians 1. Just read four verses. That's all you have to read. Four verses. If you get that far. Romans 9. Just read, just, just read the Word of God and you'll find out real quickly what the world thinks about, thinks about God, about God's Word, about the faith. Real quickly. Judgment has begun at the house of God in religion. That's where it is. Who, the, 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 the message is still, who's on the Lord's side? Isn't that still the question? Who's on the Lord's side? Everybody everywhere is talking about man's rights, aren't they? Everybody's insisting on man's rights, huh? Poor man. Robert Schuller said the next revival will be a 
in preaching of man's dignity and man's worth and self-esteem. We've got to build up people's self-esteem. Who's, let's everybody be four men. Well, it's still, the question still, who's on the Lord's side, huh? Man's still rebel. It hasn't changed any. We haven't got sophisticated and kind and sweetened up any and less sinful. Man's still a rotten rebel against God, at enmity against God, huh? Isn't he? And the question is still, who's on the Lord's side? Who believes the truth? Who's in it for God's glory? Who's in it for God's truth? Who believes what God said? Huh? Who God is? Who's worshiping God in spirit? Aren't many. A lot of them draw near with their lips. Who's rejoicing in Christ and Christ alone? Are you? Rejoicing in Christ alone. Huh? Putting no confidence in fleshly. Away with that stuff. Away with that. Give them not place to that stuff for a minute. Not for a minute. Nor these fellows. Told you about that fellow preaching down there. He didn't even mention Jesus Christ's name for the last five minutes of his message, and and uh, and, even, and even that was some pitiful little, won't you do this or that and so forth. I didn't even speak to that man. Didn't even want to see him. Didn't even want to speak to him. We're the true circumcision. So they preached the gospel and they confirmed this gospel to the churches everywhere. And verse 23 in our text says that they commended them to the Lord. Acts 14, 23. Commended them to the Lord. Look at it. This'll, this'll, this is a blessing, the end of this. It says that when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Verse 24. And after they passed through Pisidia, they just backtracked where they came. They came down to Pamphylia. When they preached the word, they went back to Perga <laughs> and preached there again and went down to Italia. And from Italia, that was a coastal city there, they sailed all, they didn't go back to Cyprus. They sailed all the way back to Antioch where they, this whole thing started, where they left. Now, how long they were gone, I don't know. But uh, they were gone a good while, and they went right back to where this whole thing started, where they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come, and the church got together, and they gathered the church together, and they said, folks, folks said, how'd it go, Paul, Barnabas? Well, let's just tell you about it. You got a little time? <laughs> let's just, y'all sit there and we'll tell you what great things the Lord has done. We got a lot to say. <laughs> and they rehearsed what God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. To the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time. They stayed in, they needed, they needed a good rest. <laughs> They needed a good rest. About like Walter or Ken coming back to the States, you know. Back to friendly faces. Need a good long rest. And they stayed there a good while in fellowship and rejoiced and so forth until the Lord said, It's time to go out again, Paul. Time to go again. (laughs) What happened, Paul? 
Oh, the Lord hath done great things for us. Where and we are glad. We're glad. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there too that are mighty glad we came, <laughs> and we're glad we went. Suffered a little bit, but it's all right. The Lord's faithful. He's faithful. All right. Uh, <clears throat> like I said, uh, just trying to preach to you. And the Word of God said to us that we must, through much tribulation, enter the, the kingdom of heaven. We read there in Matthew 10, how the Lord said a man, I've come to set a man at variance. Come to set a woman at variance against her mother, a man against his father, and so forth. And he said, don't be afraid. You confess me before men. And the Lord said, this is the way we confess him. First thing we do, we believe this gospel, the gospel we preached this morning. And uh, I called on you this morning, asked you whether or not you believe this or not. And I said, uh, if you believe then, if that's the gospel you believe, this is Christ you believe, you're trusting in no one, nothing else. And that's where you confess him. You come and, and we'll baptize. That's how the Lord said to confess him. That's what he said. You confess me before me and I'll confess you before the Father which is in heaven. Well, Heather Sheasley came to me after the service. <clears throat> she said, I want to talk to you. And this is this is what she said to me. I said, uh, I said, what is it? She said, well, I've been struggling and thinking about this thing for some time now, several weeks, and hearing you preach and all. And, and she said, I want to be baptized. I want to confess Christ. I said, do you believe this Christ now? This sovereign Christ? Is he the one you're bowing to? Work? Yes, yes. And now, this gospel, a sovereign God, electing God, and, and you are sinner in his hands, and, and uh, you must have that righteousness of Christ. Yes, yeah. That's a, that's a, this gospel that I preach, that's what you believe? All your hope? You're not trusting anything? No, no. Do you want to confess him in baptism? Yes, yes. That's good enough, isn't it? Huh? Good enough. So she comes uh, confessing Christ in baptism tonight, and we receive her in the membership of this church as a result of, of that. <clears throat> you rejoice in that. Say amen, just now. Amen. amen. All right. Heather, if you'll go... Get ready, and I'll go get ready. And Sherry, you'll come uh, come up. And Brother Terry, would you come up here? I want you to lead us in singing the hymn. Would you please come up here, please? Number three hundred ninety-three. Three ninety-three. Sing all verses. Number 393, take my life and let it be. 